Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. An interview with sporting director David Lee from New York City FC and the opener at Charlotte. For the boys in blue, that and more coming up on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. And they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. All right, I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz, your radio commentators for New York City FC. It's our first trip to Orangeburg in 2024, the training facility here for uh, New York City. Uh, Through training today, it was a pretty late session leading into their Saturday match, uh, the MLS opener for 2024 against Charlotte FC. Roberto, uh, welcome back. And uh, in just a few minutes, uh, we're going to uh, speak to David Lee, an interview we recorded uh, just a few minutes ago uh, for NYC FC Views and some some questions, some answers, and uh, it's always good to hear from uh, David and and get his take as to uh, how things have happened. And he was uh, straightforward uh, with uh, how uh, a meeting at the end of 2023 really set in motion what was going to happen in 2024. Yeah, they, they went to work immediately after the season, and uh, they I mean, it was, okay, how are we fixing this, right? Things weren't right. The team didn't make the playoffs. They, they were below expectations. They knew that they uh, didn't do all the right things, and uh, they needed to find a way to be able to fix this. And when I say they didn't do all the right things, it doesn't end at David Lee or at anybody within NYCFC. This goes even above them. And so uh, there, was sure. a lot, there, there was a lot there to talk about to understand, you know, where things went wrong and how to be able to fix it for this season. Yeah, and so he'll detail that pretty specifically and how it impacted the recruiting, which is one of his chief responsibilities. But New York City, back from Coachella Invitational, and then uh, the final preseason game, the closed-door scrimmage against Austin FC. We saw a couple of goals scored. Bakrar chipping the former New York City keeper, Brad Stuver, for one of his preseason goals. And I suppose uh, one of the bright spots uh, number one the way the goals occurred but Bakrar finishing uh 
unofficially five times yes. in the preseason. I mean, that, that's great, right? That That's what you want your number nine to do. And when, when he came into New York City, coming in in midseason, you know, no preseason and, you know, you got to hit the ground running and here's a guy who had only had eight goals in 38 games previously. So you, you didn't really know what to be able to expect. It took a while for him to get, you know, to get going with New York City FC. Didn't turn out to be a prolific goal scorer last season, but now with a full preseason and, you know, exactly how they want him to play and now they brought in some competition as well we expect to see a much better Bakrar this season and you know just offensively in general for New York City because if you look at the team and we start looking at all the pieces that David Lee brought in this season there's a lot of depth there's going to be a lot of competition for minutes and I believe also that there's going to be a lot of rotation I don't think you're going to see a lot of the same team week after week after week I think you're going to wind up seeing a lot of rotation especially you know once um well U.S. Open Cup if that happens or how it happens kicks in and then well it's a whole different the U- story well, that's it kicking it around we're going to get yeah, to the we'll, U.S. We'll, Open we'll, Cup we'll, yeah. we'll get there yeah. um, but you know Leaks Cup and uh, you know you, you have Wednesday games that are going to happen and uh, New York City has several Friday games so not Friday Saturday no, but no Friday team, games, no yeah. team has ever won MLS Cup without depth right but New York City and I, I only say but now, so I've now asked Nick Cushing David Lee, you'll hear his response uh, in the interview coming up in, in just a few minutes. And Keaton Parks, who signed an extension as a midfielder for New York City FC, about winning in preseason. New York City winless in their six matches with a variety of formations. Uh, I, I should say personnel formations. The way they played was, was very similar uh, in all the matches. And you uh, contrast that with Charlotte FC. They were unbeaten in their six matches, three wins, three ties, and four clean sheets. And New York City a season ago, the struggle to score goals. Now they're on the road. It's going to be a raucous, probably 60,000, you know, in Charlotte for this one. And uh, those are the environments you crave also. But, and turf. You know, and yeah. And so New York City is going to have to get it done uh, away from home. And look, we remember that last year, New York City only had one victory on the road. And uh how about being able to just take care of business that way in the first game? Because then you get rid of a lot of things, right? You don't have to worry about too much about the road and all that. Because if you wind up winning, now you have a different feeling about the road. And then also, they've never beaten Charlotte. I mean, that's pretty amazing. It's three losses and a tie in four games against Charlotte. I mean, and New York City's been around since 2015. Charlotte's only been around a couple of years. And one of those games last year, New York City dominant in possession. And uh, if you have an opportunity to uh, listen to Dick Cushing, I, I did get an extensive interview, pretty much a 20-minute sit-down with him uh, out in California. And it's available on this other podcast, On Frame. I, I like having this On Frame, Roberto. I can just throw up something every now and then. Mm, you know, is nice. This is consistent, and On Frame is less consistent. But uh, the full Nick Cushing interview is up there. Burke Risa uh, is up there. Uh, and that was the first time I had a chance to speak to him. He's got a baby due any day. He was celebrating any his any moment, I think, is what he said today to us. And uh, the starting left central defender for New York City. But this winning, I, I want to relate the story to you, Roberto. I already did. But flying home from a West Coast trip, my wife is with me. I'm watching soccer videos. She's watching the Martina Navratilova Chris Everett documentary. Really well done, I'm sure. And But she tapped me on the shoulder at one point and said, you gotta, you got to hear this. And it was Martina Navratilova. And the one thing she said is during the peak of her career, 
She didn't know how to lose. She didn't need to be at her best and would still win. And this is one of the things, this is my point as far as feeling that those moments of victory. One thing Nick Cushing said in his press conference today, uh, a lot of the matches they played 90 minutes and then they went off to a side field and played an additional 30. He said in 120 minutes, New York City has won matches in the preseason, but I think the players understand 90 minutes, a lead in almost every match. You surrendered the lead. Again, it could have been with whatever players were out there in the second half. I'm just saying, I'm saying my feeling is they need to learn how to win still. Uh, uh, that's uh, disputed by others. I'm saying that's what I think. I, I, you, can, you can believe that, and I agree, but they have to do that in regular season where it counts. I don't, it doesn't matter in the preseason, and that was my point. And we, asked, you, Nick, I, we asked Nick Cushing, so oh, if you watch the yeah. press conference, his press conference that he held today, I asked him about that. And then uh, with David Lee, who we just spoke with, and you, you'll, you'll, see the, you'll, you'll see the interview, I asked him basically the same question. And I'm not going to put words in their mouth. I will let him and uh, well, them be able to how about, say their How about answer. somebody who's on the pitch trying to make things happen, Keaton Parks? Keaton Parks, a couple of weeks ago, before Coachella, because the way I framed it was, at by the end of Coachella, if you're not winning matches, does that concern you? And Keaton Parks was... Yeah, we we need to win. We need to figure out how to win games at the end. Now, was Keaton Parks on the field for some of those matches? He wasn't because of the 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 rotation that occurs in preseason. I get it, but it's a it's a feeling. It's psychology. It's the it's the study of sport. So let's see. Hey, listen, they could go down to Charlotte and win three nil, three one, and uh, maybe all the good feelings uh, are, will be enough to carry them through the the opening stages of the season. Yeah. Well, but I'm telling team. you, it's a better team. It's this a year. better team. But if they're up two nil and lose three two, I'm just saying. And again, you know, we certainly hope it doesn't happen. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I, that's I, until they they until they gain that confidence of winning a game down the stretch. But you have to tough it out. And we've heard Nick Cushing say it a number of times now how if they are up one nil, one of the biggest things uh, they either learn or knew they had to work on was to keep the keep the front foot, keep attacking, try to get the second goal, try to get the third goal. So, that, all right, so I, agree, I, I agree with all of that all with right. a caveat in the regular season. Well, yeah, that, that, that's it. It's in the regular season because in preseason you're working on tactics, you're working on you're working on individual performances, and also you're not playing ninety minutes and you're not finishing games. Okay, so how was the end of the regular season last year? I, I don't remember it, because it doesn't matter many, to me. Not many losses. Oh, the regular season. Yeah, you mean. Right, oh, okay. yeah. So those games yeah. counted, right? No, no, yeah, but. This is a new season, new team. How oh, okay. many new players do you have? Okay. I mean, it, it, it's, it doesn't matter. Bakrar will start. Uh, here's my guess. Bakrar, Santi Rodriguez, yeah. Julian Fernandez, yeah. uh, let me, Sands, Parks, uh, O'Toole, Risa, Martins, and Ilinich. So not and Freeze. Nine of those 11 started. The, uh, at least a few of those games down the stretch of the season. Fernandez started the last one against Chicago, the 1-0 win. 1-0 win to close the regular season. By the way, they won their last two games no, they didn't. of 2023. No, they did not. They yes, lost they did. at D.C. United. Hold on. Hold on. Hold Don't, on. Do not count, please. You can't count the the messy game. You just said pr- anything but the regular season's meaningless. But you do, but you do count it. Oh, so that's goodness. why I'm bringing it up because oh, you do gosh. count it. And All that right. was a... That was a, what do you call it? That was the point. But they won their last game of the season. Okay. Uh, 
Gabe Siegel, that was official, traded to Houston for a future third-round draft pick. And then he made his debut, uh, I don't know if you noticed that, for the Dynamo uh, against St. Louis in the CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, couldn't uh, – Houston was up 1-0 in that game, lost 2-1. Yep. St. Louis done. winning at home. And that was significant to watch just if you're a New York City supporter or a broadcaster or part of the team because uh, week two uh, we'll be going to that uh, stadium in St. Louis to yes, see uh, to see just uh, – not just, just what this uh, what, defending Western Conference champions now uh, in their second Which would have finished where in the Eastern Conference? Oh, well, let's, we'll find out from <laughs> David Lee in a moment. So the sporting director for New York City FC, kind enough to sit with us uh, for a few minutes. So let's play that now. Well, David, it's uh, great of you to be with us here on NYCFC Views. Uh, I want to um, go back to something Nick said to me at the Coachella Invitational about the end of the year that there was uh, – in Manhattan at the New York City offices, three days, three 14-hour days where everybody got together to really hash out 2023 and see where we're going to go for 2024. What are your recollections from that meeting, whatever you could share with us about, you know, what you learned from each other and how you were going to proceed? Yeah, I think it's a it was a fantastic experience to go through. I think every year we try and do an end of season review. Um, I think when we had the results that we saw in 2023, we took it even more seriously and we created a process around really wanting to make sure that we took as many viewpoints as we possibly could from all the departments that contribute to football. Um, and so there was a group of us that went to Manhattan and spent a number of days going over everything. So pres presentations from Nick and his coaching staff, from myself, uh, from the human performance team, from the operations and logistics team, to really try to understand what we think worked, even despite the results, um, what we think didn't work as well as we'd hoped, and how we were going to improve. And so um, the days were split in terms of first just trying to put all the challenges out on the table, and then we spent the next two days really trying to understand how we're going to tackle those. And I think any time you go through a process like that, there's probably 20, 30 things you want to improve, and you have to pick the 10 five, seven that are most critical that we all believe are going to be most critical if we can improve these one or two things or ten things or seven things, it's going to stand us the best chance we possibly can. And so um, we set about that plan and we set about the, the sort of things that we wanted to see and they covered areas from Nick and his coaching staff to develop. There was areas around the physical performance of the team and increasing the intensity and the work that we do around how we train. There was things around player recruitment and trying to make sure we sign players earlier in the transfer window and having as, as many players as we possibly could and, and staff. So there was a huge bunch of things that really came out. And I think sitting here, you know, preseason being over, I think the work that we wanted to achieve, I think we've done a good job of that so far. Um, we obviously now go into competition mode and ultimately we believe that the changes that we've made in how we work and personnel and other things will put us in place to, to achieve our ambitions for 2024. From your standpoint, you're part of that meeting and, and the recruitment process, is, which is one of your chief uh, duties and roles with the team. How did the, the data that you received from performance, uh, the desire of Nick and his staff, how they wanted to play, uh, how, how did that all play into how you were going to take the next steps and, and bring in the players that would fit that mold? Yeah, I think so. it's a collective, right? So we sit and we sit with Nick and I sit with Nick and we spoke a lot 
throughout the season, obviously, but even more so when the season ends and you're going through the planning process to try to make sure that we have really understood what the aims of the off-season and the players that we're going to bring in and what attributes they need to have. Um, and so, you know, one of those things that people who watch preseason will have seen is we want a higher intensity when we're off the ball and when we're in defensive moments. And, and so we needed to both implement a plan of how we're going to help our current players um, achieve that. Um, and there's a, phys- a whole physical work that goes into that from Dave Howarth and his fantastic t- human performance team that have done a brilliant job in sort of periodizing the preseason. Um, and then there's trying to find players that can also add and sort of turbo boost that because they bring that maybe naturally. And so that was a key part of all of the work we did when we were assessing players is how we thought they would fit into our into Do you our not group. see the data when you say uh, do it naturally? Do you not see the data on those players you're recruiting? I mean, is that part of the analysis, you know, what, they, what they've done throughout their careers and in their matches? There is some data that is useful um, in terms of off the ball. Um, however, most of it is done through proprietary information. So teams will have GPS data and uh, tracking data that isn't readily available in every league or in many leagues. And so there's some that we can see and that we can measure with data. There's some that you can only see when you go and watch a player or get a better idea when you watch a player. So we're trying to combine both, but the physical data in general is quite hard to come by in not the same way as sort of the touch data and on the ball data that you can get through an Opta, Stats Bomb, and, and, and these providers. As you were approaching the season and how, you know, the players that you're going to bring in and, um, you know, how are you going to improve the team, were you sort of surprised or at all that the salary cap didn't change considering the players that Inter-Miami brought in and were planning on bringing in and to do that and stay under the cap? Were you sort of expecting any sort of change, or did you think that it was going to stay the same and you just worked under, you know, what what the rules were at the moment? Yeah, it's always difficult to know in MLS what rules will or won't change. We plan on the rules staying the same. Um, and then, you know, the reality for us is if those changes were going to be implemented, that would have been November and December, or you would have heard about them in November and December. It's quite late to then plan for, for January, and so to really maximize your resources and the roster rules that you have so um i think what miami have done is fantastic and they've been able to bring some really high caliber players but they've also had to you know sell gregor and do other things to make sure they're compliant we all have the same rules to work within um they've obviously done a marvelous job in bringing bringing some really high profile older players into their group um within the salary budget and um and i think we look at it from our our view, which is we we knew we had these resources, we had under twenty two spots, we had salary cap space, we had allocation money, and, and we were going to go and attack the off season with using the resources that we had to try to make sure we could bring the best players we could. If rules change in the future, then we plan and adjust, you know. And I think there's been lots of talk, and I think Commissioner has been, I think uh, Todd Durbin as well has been on the record in the last week or so regarding reviews that are happening, and um, I can't wait to see what. The result of those are, I'll probably find out maybe a couple of minutes before the public does as, as, uh, as normal. Um, and, you know, um, when we know what that, that'll look like, it will change how we approach building a roster to compete um, at the best level it possibly can. Is there anyone from the New York City Football Club or City Football Group on that committee that you referred to? Uh, there's a report that they're meeting at the end of February and maybe by the summer there'll be some news. I don't know if it's confidential or not, uh, so oh, I don't. Right. I don't know if the members okay. are, if the members are public or not. But um, what, what I can say is that genuinely, the, the clubs and the people at the clubs 
aren't involved in that process. And so we don't hear any information that, that is done by the league purposefully and inten intentionally on their part um, to have those discussions. And then when decisions are made, then you know, we will find out um, as sporting directors, general managers, um, along with pretty much everybody else. Recruitment 2023 versus 2024. Uh, a word that Nick used was we were more decisive in 24, and that's apparent with a number of players that are already in at his disposal here early in the season. Uh, but why was there a difference? What, what made it more uh, decisive this time around? I think there's a number of factors. I would definitely agree more decisive. Um, the first factor is if I look back at the roster and as we headed into 2023 preseason, we needed six or seven players that were capable of starting in our team and depth. In MLS, you have a bunch of resources to use and as you allocate those resources, they're gone from other players. So you spend a little bit more here, you have a bit less to spend here. And when you have so many gaps to fill, it becomes really difficult to commit. The easy ones to commit to are the high-level players that are very affordable on the salary cap. Those players aren't particularly common. Um, and so, in general, it, it made it really difficult and we just had so many pieces to fill in that it was hard to be really clinical and decisive without knowing the impact on if we sign this player, we have to go after, you know, it will cost us this left back. And this offseason, we went into it with the base of what we feel is a really good team and have performed well at the end of last season. And so we were able to just be much clearer on we need these five or six things in our group and in our team. And I think the other part is my experience having gone through this now, I've been here for, for 10 years, is head coaches have a huge desire to find the best possible players to bring to their team. That's absolutely normal. Every head coach we have had in their first transfer window, it's a, it, it's a challenge. They haven't gone through that process of knowing what the cap rules are and n knowing, okay, well, if we take this player versus this player. And over time... I think they learn to trust the work that we've done and the knowledge that we have from a scouting group um, to recommend sort of the, the, the best possible I, options. I'm, uh, I'm visualizing them shaking their head quite often in those early meetings. It, it, in, in general, the quote that I probably have heard the most is, there must be better. Like, there must be better. <laughs> and, um, and, and, and over time, you just go through that process. And, you know, I think the players that we were able to acquire last year, I think everybody's able to see that, they become really important players. And as you have more experience going through that, it becomes easier to be decisive. Um, but, it, but it was a very, very difficult window last year with you know so many holes to fill. Now reflecting back, I think it would be close to impossible to address all of that in one transfer window really effectively. And I think now we look back over the three transfer windows from winter, uh, we signed Matt Fries, Mitrilinich, we brought James Sands back, Santa Rodriguez, key really important players. Then we move into the summer and we have Burke Reeser, Munsef Bakra, Andres Perea joined on, on loan, and at least initially. Um, and now we come into this window where we've added even, even more quality and depth and um, it's just taken a long time to really build the level of competition and depth that we really want. Um, and it was, yeah, it was a real, real challenge last year for sure. So when you have this influx of talent, and I think something's off of my mic, but hopefully you're hearing this. Um, when you have this influx of, uh, of talent, what's a measuring stick for you of what is a successful season? I think the simplest 
and most basic explanation for us is we want to this club this our fans deserve to have a team that can compete for trophies we know in mls it's very rare you win trophies every single year but we have to compete for trophies the only way to do that is to finish in the playoffs first the best way you can compete for trophies is to finish as high as you possibly can in the eastern conference us going on our run in 2021 and 2022 and needing to play so many games away is not typically conducive to winning a lot of trophies. So that made it more challenging. Um, so I think it's difficult to say, sitting here now, if we finish in the playoffs, we're going to be happy. Um, it is the expectation that we return to the playoffs. And that that is what we feel we have built everything around and making sure we can finish in the playoffs and ideally as high up the Eastern Conference as we possibly can. And we think we've tried to put the resources to make sure that we give ourselves every opportunity for that to happen. One of your uh, new players uh, that's come in, uh, Jovan Mijatovic, the 18-year-old Serbian uh, striker. Uh, his quote uh, in the uh, New York City FC uh, press release uh, here it is, quote, get ready to cheer, I will score many goals. Maybe that wasn't in the release, it was in the interview with him, or one of those things. What do you think of that? That That's confidence. Jovan's a confident boy. Um, he, he has an absolutely amazing mentality. I think it was one of the things as we got to know Jovan that really convinced us of um, what he will be able to do here and, and ultimately how he'll be able to maximise his career is how determined he is to be successful um, and I think he has all the attributes we think that will be a successful player for New York City FC and in MLS and ultimately I think you know being only 18 there's obviously um, the opportunity for him to develop his career and potentially play in European leagues which I know will be his ambition um, I think he yeah he's very confident I think we have to understand he's 18 years old and it's his first move outside the country and so you know he he will probably feel like he can run and hopefully he can really really fast um but our job is going to be supporting him through that that transition that is we know from hundreds of players we've signed over the sort of 10 years um can be challenging we'll support him through that so that he can focus on his football and perform and play at the highest level he can and um you know i'm looking forward to seeing him play in our team and giving competition for Munsef, who's been fantastic um, as well and has been a really, was I think was a really big addition last year and um, and that, that the combination of both of those strikers I think gives us a real opportunity to, to achieve what we want this season. So when you look at your team now, so when you look at your team and uh, you look at the rest of the Eastern Conference, which are the teams that you've seen that have improved themselves the most? It's really difficult to know because you don't want to over um, overestimate preseason or underestimate it. It's just hard until you really get into competition. I think Atlanta were really strong at the end of last season, um, and I think have added some some good pieces. Obviously, they lost Miles Robinson, but uh, we we know Gregson quite well. I think he he has the attributes to be a successful MLS player. Um, so I think they they've they've improved. I think. Columbus were excellent, obviously, at one MLS Cup. That's pretty obvious. They were excellent last year, and, and I think Wilfred does a really good job as a, as, as a head coach, and I, so I'm quite sure they will even continue to take further steps forward. But honestly, when you look at the Eastern Conference, it is absolutely brutal this year in particular. Um, I think there was a stat that you know St. Louis won the West last year 
with a points total that wouldn't have won the East in the last seven years, six, seven years. And it shows how strong the Eastern Conference is um, and has been. And I think a few years ago, it's quite typical that the Western Conference always appeared to be a little bit ahead of the East. But you look at the depth and the competition in the East, and it is going to be a really competitive conference this year, no doubt. And I didn't mention, but... Miami is probably the obvious one. Um, <laughs> I probably should have mentioned. I was waiting. I was going to bring that up. If, if you didn't, but, but, uh, I mean, they, they improved themselves quite dramatically last 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 uh, last summer as well. And so, um, yeah, the other the other additions now just just make them even better. David Lee, sporting director, New York City FC, with us here on NYCFC Views, and. Uh, I wanted to ask if there is uh, some sort of Serbian connection. So Straninja uh, Tanasievic. Straninja Tanasievic. Tanasievic. Thank you. <laughs> uh, he has not arrived yet, but it's a center back from Serbia. They, they played on different clubs. But mm-hmm. is, is there some sort of connection there at all? Nope. There was no connection prior to prior to us. Uh, they happened to both overlap. Strahinjas uh, did his medical in Manchester on one day, and, and Jovan was doing his the next day. So they overlapped and got to have dinner together, which was which was quite nice. Um, but other than that, no, 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 no connection uh, between between the two of them, other than having been in the same league. So Glenn and I have had this discussion on the podcast, and maybe you've heard it. So. I always talk about preseason and what's important in preseason, which is evaluating talent, trying tactics. It's a chance to really, really experiment. I I don't hear anything anymore. Uh, It's a chance to really, really experiment. And um, when you look at preseason, how important are results for you as far as like zero doesn't matter, 10, it's like absolute key where do you put that as far as now trying to get into this season and, and have a winning record and make the playoffs and take a run You know, once you're there? It's much closer to zero than 10, that's for sure. I don't know how I'd put it on the scale. Um, results are important. We're, everybody in this building is a competitive person. You don't end up in working in professional sports and professional soccer if you're not highly, highly competitive. But it is not the be all and end all for us as we enter um, as we enter the season we would have liked to won one more games of course we would have done um, that's a good it's generally a good thing but I've been part of pre-seasons where we've won loads of games um, in pre-season and, and not had as successful season as we wanted and probably there's hundreds of stories of teams who have won every pre-season game and, and have a disappointing year so I don't think they are generally instructive I think we're trying to take fundamentals from what we have in the plan in terms of the physical output in terms of the tactics that we want to see in terms of the variations in formation or different things that we want to implement in the season and that's the goal for us in pre-season of course winning is a part of that but it's not something that we look at as a real key indicator of whether pre-season was a success or not I would like to follow up because I'm the one who brought up the fact that I thought uh, coming off of last year and, and Nick disagreed and I used the words learn to win but I look at the Miami game where it was a late draw in stoppage time for them. Uh, you go to D.C. United, must-win situation. It didn't work out. And now in preseason, uh, even Keaton Park said early on to us that uh, finding a way to win, going up and holding on to the lead, knowing that you know it could have been academy players or two players that were out there in the second half, and that's how it uh, was equalized. Whatever the, the construction of the team there were leads in a majority of the games, and they were surrendered. So you don't uh, subscribe to maybe the the fact that maybe not being able to pull out the wins in at least one of those games doesn't provide some sort of uh, impetus for the start of the season. 
I think we'd have preferred it if we did, but I don't, also don't think it it means or should mean that we have any negative view going into Charlotte, given we're going to assess the performance as a whole. And in general, there were reasons why we did concede leads through through preseason. And so for us, I think it's a part of the calculus of preseason, but it's a, it's a relatively small part. Certainly we would have preferred to win, but I think we know the reasons why in many of those games we didn't um we didn't weren't able to hold on to that win and we're very comfortable where we are and, and really optimistic positive we got a great opportunity in front of us this weekend and we want to go and attack it so i don't know what your salary cap situation is at, at this point but the transfer window is open until april 23rd so are you done bringing in players or is there still a chance of more talent coming in before the window closes we're not expecting to add any more international talent so we have our three DP spots filled, we have our three U22 spots filled, we have 10 international spots, they are filled, we have 20 senior roster spots, they are filled. Um, so we have some supplementary roster spots available that we may look to add some some more depth to in the coming days. Um, but a key goal for us was building our roster as strong as we possibly can from day one. Um, in general, I think my approach, I like to keep a bit of uh, room back to because you never know what injuries you might get or to ad- adapt and adjust as the season goes. I think given what we experienced last year, we wanted to make absolute clear that we are going for this this year and we're going to put every resource we can on the table to, to get as early as we can so that we can compete as best as we possibly can from day one. So not anticipating any more signings. We would need exits in order to bring new signings in at this point. Um, and we're not planning on any of those right now. We're really happy with the group we've got. And finally, David, uh, part of the reason you want to build a roster, build depth, is because of the, the congested schedule at times. One of those things that uh, seems to be uh, still in that nebulous phase is U.S. Open Cup. Do you have an opinion about that as far as your club is concerned in particular? I think my opinion is the U.S. Open Cup is a really prestigious, important tournament. I understand the challenges that come with it, and they are real, and they do add uh, additional fixtures, and some of those fixtures aren't ideal, I think. We're not super involved in those discussions, and so I don't know what the output of those will be. Um, but we support the league in in what they want to do, and ultimately, Major League Soccer is trying to drive and look after the the clubs the best they possibly can. And so, um, I, I'm as interested to know what will come out of those discussions as as everybody is. But um, it's a prestigious tournament with a trophy on the line. We want to win more trophies and bring more trophies here. And so, um, if we compete in that, we'll be going at it to try to try and win it. I guess that's it for us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hi, right, Roberto. Uh, David Lee, Sporting Director, New York City FC. Uh, seems uh, in a good frame of mind. No regular season games played yet, but uh, we do know that the, the roster is deep, especially when you compare it to 2023. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, aside from maybe left back, Okay, you can look at this roster and say, you know, you got two, three different players who can come in at a moment's notice and and play like a starter. Right. And they'll be competing for all these jobs. And and that's what's make practice really interesting. And this is what when people say, well, MLS isn't competitive and it's a retirement. It's crazy because you have to go to practice. Every one of these guys wants to play. Every one of these guys wants to start and they're killing each other, you know, not killing each other, but killing themselves. There's one injured player, right? Maxine Morales coming off the ACL. 
everyone else is fit to play. Absolutely. So th then you've got these guys who, who want to play. They're going to be guys who are going to be on the bench who you would expect to be starters. And they're going to be guys who are not in the 18 or 21 or whatever it is these days that aren't <laughs> going to be, you know, on the bench that you would expect to play. And so the competition for minutes, for, for time uh, and for attention is going to be crucial this year. And it's great. It's, it's just going to make everybody better. So uh, we learned Strahinia uh, Tanasayevich. I think that's the way David Lee uh, corrected me as far as the pronunciation. Uh, the defender, uh, the Serbian, uh, not here yet. So they're still working things out. Uh, oh, tell me, Augustine uh, Ojeda. Augustine. Uh, Augustine. Augustine Ojeda All right. uh, arrived today. So we're recording this on Thursday. He actually arrived today. And if all things check out with MLS, according to Nick Cushing, uh, he, he could be available for the opener. We would doubt, though, that uh, he would uh, play in that because he's, he's, he's just gotten here. And then the, uh, the other kid, uh, Jovan uh, Mijatovic, uh, who said, get ready to cheer. I will score many goals. <laughs> Miatovic. <laughs> we got we got to get rid we got to get Miatovic. this right Miatovic. Miatovic. thank you Miatovic. third I, syllable from the end Miatovic, and i've butchered it before and yes. i'm, I'm going to do my best yeah, I to, know, you'll, to you'll never get it. do it again no i trust uh, in glenn so he's here but he also still has more paperwork to be complete before he can train full and com and compete in a match so but it, that's close ojeda's close we don't know about the the, the center back yet but everybody else Ready to go yeah. uh, for the uh, for the Charlotte match. And, uh, yeah, Charlotte uh, under new leadership, Dean Smith, uh, whose claim to fame, Aston Villa, getting uh, getting them promoted as the manager there, uh, working with a guy named Ollie Watkins, who's now a legitimate Premier League goal scorer. He had him at Brentford, brought him with him uh, to uh, to Aston Villa uh, on a transfer. So uh, and, and one of the things I asked Dean, and I'm going to put this up on my podcast on frame too, is uh, Enzo Capetti. That's there. He's a good number nine, but inconsistent, kind yeah. of in and out of games. And the, I asked Dean about that, and he, he said all he said was like, you just need to put an arm around this guy. Make him feel good about himself, and I think this is a, a quality. The the thing I uh, you learn about Dean Smith when you're down there and you're with some of the people involved in the club is that he is so liked by everyone, from the chef to everyone. So th there's a there's a great deal of um, preseason love going on now at Charlotte FC, but certainly that doesn't uh, necessarily uh, lend itself to. Uh, victories and points christian latanzio who nick cushing was pretty close to yeah. from the uh, city football group days and he was sacked uh and a much different style you know christian was very uh he was very much possession oriented moved the ball in certain spots kind of positional play dean smith's gonna be more direct so tiago martins and burke reeves uh, get your air game ready and with new york city now pressing higher up the field the challenge is on for those two because they're going to be isolated at times on that counterattack. It's going to be Martins against Capetti or Risa against Capetti, I'm sure, on more than one occasion on Saturday night. So we'll see what happens. By the way, though, that game, Saturday yeah. night, is going to be broadcast on the New York City FC Network in English and Spanish. And that's nycfc.com slash radio. So uh, our advice, as always, is to turn down the uh, sound on the TV, sync us up so you can listen to the audio, 
Take your pick, English or Spanish. And yeah. complain to Apple that they're not broadcasting the away uh, radio. And as far as we know. And absolutely complain about the fact that they're not broadcasting Spanish radio. Yeah, lots of complaints there. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, you're paying a lot of money for that, you know, for having there. season pass, which is great. Love season pass. But you deserve to get your Spanish radio I, I and get, your English radio that's away. I want to get back to get ready to cheer. I will score many goals. That's great. Did you like that? Uh, it's fantastic. That's what uh, you want. I mean, that's what you want. 18 years nine. old. But he scored eight goals with two assists in 14 games for Red Star. Uh, Belgrade. Belgrade. Is it Belgrade or Belgrade? Belgrade, I believe, is uh, the way it's uh, pronounced. Having difficulty with the pronunciation. Yeah, today, it, it is. Well, it's foreign. But uh, those are good. Those are good numbers, um, uh, including four goals and an assist in the last five games. Um, and so uh, that's what we've got coming in. Uh, he's going to compete with Bakrar. The other thing uh, uh, on the New York City FC pregame show on the English side, I've got Nick Cushing uh, with me, uh, presented by Ford, each and every match. And in this one, I, I ask him about uh, Miatovic. Or Bakrar, the number nine, is going to have to choose between the two, and they have different tools, as we've been. It's been described to us before, where uh, Miatovic will come into the midfield to get the ball and make things happen, while Bakrar wants to run the channels more and get in behind, and that is a good compliment. And so Nick said, I, I don't think it's his preference or first choice to go with twin strikers, but maybe there's a way. Uh, to fit him in, uh, to, uh, because they complement each other when when they're going to be on the field. Based on the way that they play, there's a very good chance that they're going to wind up complementing each other. And although they're not going to start with two strikers, or if they do, it's going to be a shock. I wouldn't be surprised if in the last 20 minutes of the game, if you're down a goal, you need another goal, that you're not going to put them both on the field at the same time. Now, on the Spanish radio side, I got a I got a chance to speak to Santi Rodriguez and talking to him about uh, a little bit about. Last season, about preseason, about what's coming up this season, his maturity, his leadership, and uh, you know, because he's he is one of the leaders on this team. He, although he says, you know, there are guys that are younger than me, there are guys that are older than me, but yeah, I have to assume a larger uh, role as far as a leader on this team. Was that the biggest point of the interview to you? Is that he's, I, I think he's it's looking one to of take them. over? Yeah, I think it's you know they're, they're all happy that they you know. Uh, as we say in Spanish, borrón y cuenta nueva, which basically means, you know, we're starting all over again. I'm teaching a little Spanish here. So uh, we're starting all over wow. again, and they got to, That's the way they're thinking about it. They, well, you know, you, you get a chance to make up a reset. for it. I think resets yeah. are important. And, Absolutely. And certainly uh, coming off a non-playoff season, uh, and we've heard now Nick Cushing and David Lee, you'll, uh, you've heard him talk about kind of that reset as the, as the group, the whole, uh, the technical staff, the performance staff, uh, the, the, uh, that backroom staff all got together right after the end of the year to, to kind of hammer out the way they wanted to do things and then who they were going to recruit, uh, CONCACAF Champions Cup. Uh, I'm sure everybody watched Miami last night and Inter Messi and, you know, Messi did his thing. And, well, that uh, was MLS. Messi last oh, night that was, was right. MLS. See, I've, I've missed. Yeah, yeah, that was no, MLS. Wait a second. That was a, the 2 nothing win over sorry, Real that. Salt Lake. Not, a, not an impressive win for Miami. I'm sorry. They, they showed more holes than anything else. This is not a 90-minute team. 
Uh, well, I they think were tired. But remember, they looked tired off of this big trip, well, and that was, was to be ridiculous. predicted. Yeah, it was, it was to be predicted. But I they've, think. they've been at home for the last two weeks, and they played Newell's at home and all that. But this is going to be a team. And meanwhile, Real Salt Lake missed so many sitters in this game. Yep. So uh, it, it's really not impressive for Inter Miami. I don't think it's a, for anybody who thinks that they're going to be a juggernaut and they're going to run away with everything. Now, I, I just really don't see it. Wait till they hit the dog days of summer and they got to be traveling five, six thousand miles across the country and then, you know, playing in the hundred degree temperatures in Texas and, and things like that. It ain't going to be fun. <laughs> well, and Luis Suarez, who assisted on the last goal, and it was kind of interesting that he wasn't subbed, uh, you know, maybe um, at, at an earlier moment of the match uh, in this MLS opener, forgive me. Uh, but he. Uh, he was laboring, it, it seemed, and um, I don't know. We've already, you know, we've heard extensively about a knee issue where he's got treatment going on and shots that he has to get in the knee, and you just wonder how much this guy's going to practice. Number one, not right. not that you know, is that going to be that big a deal when it comes to the final product? I mean, he's he's trying to work and have relationships with people other than Messi and other than Alba and other than Busquets, who he's got to play with. Right. Right, uh, but a wonderful Messi to uh, Suarez for the uh, for the uh, final goal of the match, which really is sealed it by uh, Diego Gomez. Yeah, it was a nice goal. Now the other thing is that um, with with Suarez, right? I, I Taylor Twelman on the broadcast last night said that you know he was really laboring, so he's there uh, and he's right. watching him run off the ball, or you know when the camera is not on him, exactly. so he's seeing that. And uh, I, I think you're going to get to see a lot more of a Julian Carranza than uh, right? Was it was it him? Is it, yes. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, not Carranza. Uh, no, no uh, that's a guy the, from Philly. The other Carranza's at Philly. He had yeah. a hat trick in the. Yeah, uh, that, I'm, I'm the, getting uh, it confused. Now you're now you've uh, you've, you've made yeah. me forget who he is. But uh, yeah, I uh, know I do this all the Campana. time. Sorry. Campana, Campana, right? Leo Campana. Okay. Campana. Yeah. That was it. So, that's okay. um, <laughs> yeah. So Campana only played. He only came in in the ninety in the ninetieth minute. I mean, he's a guy who's going to be able to score and and do well for for Inter Miami, and I think he's going to, especially now, I think that he's going to wind up playing. So they played Wednesday, and they play Saturday. They play uh, the Galaxy. So um, Sunday. They play yeah, Sunday, oh, Sunday against the Galaxy. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I would think that in games like that, you're going to get to see a lot more of Campana than, uh, than you know, than just Suarez playing 90 minutes, which I thought was sort of excessive. Let's kick it around. Referees and U.S. Open Cup. That's how we're going to close the show. I mean, oh, boy. It's, uh, I, guess, I guess let's start with the referees. And, uh, Roberto, I think you'll find this interesting. Uh, Sirius XMFC, where I'm a host on the show called The Coaching Academy. Tony uh, Miolda, former national team player. He's mm -hmm. a U.S. Soccer Hall of Famer. Brian Dunseth, his co-host. They interviewed both Mark Geiger, who is the general manager of Pro Referees. They are the management side and have locked out uh, the referees. Pete Manikowski is the lead negotiator for the referees union, PSRA. The interesting thing here is that Manikowski and Geiger are friends. Um, they know each other well. They've worked at MLS Cup final together as referees, but now they're on opposite sides of the table. So um, we're going to play a few clips here from those interviews on Sirius XMFC. Again, it's Miola and Dunseth. And first, Mark Geiger, 
who said he was disappointed and reason he was disappointed because there was a tentative agreement by the negotiating committee for the union led by Peter Manikowski. Pretty disappointing situation that we're in. Uh, so we've spent the past four months with the uh, PSRA and their representatives uh, at the negotiating table. We did, as you said, came up with a tentative agreement last week. Uh, the officials were educated by the PSRA. They held a vote on Thursday and Friday, and overwhelmingly, they uh, they voted it down. Uh, it's really unfortunate because we did have a tentative agreement, meaning that the negotiating team from the PSRA agreed to the terms and conditions with, with PRO. Um, we offered them a no-strike, no-lockout uh, clause throughout the 2024 season so that we can continue negotiating and and they turned that down. So unfortunately, we needed to make a difficult decision and and lock them out because there was a risk always that they they could go on strike at the last minute. We wanted to make sure that the MLS season was able to continue on as scheduled. So a lack of trust there between management and uh, the referees. And that was Mark Geiger pictured there. Jersey boy, if I could uh, point that out. And uh, a guy who uh, he was certainly one of the more decorated referees in our history uh, american referees and now he's in this uh unenviable position of uh in, in essence trying to negotiate uh in some ways against the people that he was a part of at one point it, yeah, it's crazy I, I was listening to the football show on the way up here to um to orangeburg and i was listening to felipe cardenas who uh writes for the athletic and a friend of the show, a friend of ours. And uh, he was talking about that they thought that they had 95% that it was a done deal. And they were shocked that that, that it wound up. It was 95% down. the and, other way. Uh, yeah. 95% so, turned it down. Yeah, well, and then there's that. So what, what kind of a disconnect was there between PSRA and their own referees that they thought that they had a deal, but 95% of the of, of, well, of the referees turned I'm it down? I'm glad you asked that question because oh, Pete Manikowski is the lead, and he's going to explain it here as he did to Tony uh, Miolda and uh, Brian Dunseth here. Um, over the course of negotiations was we really warned Pro that the offers that they were making had a real bad chance of, of uh, and a real concerning chance of, of ratification. And we continued to tell them. And, you know, our, our negotiating committee, um, which is made up of me, um, of course, our, our attorney and, our, and four active referees, um, we had to decide, you know, are we going to keep negotiating or, or are the members going to have to speak and have their turn. And that's exactly what we did. The members got their turn to speak and the members um, the members turned that turn that deal down. So it's pretty interesting. He he really seemed to have a good notion that um, the referee group was not going to approve yet he still pushed it forward because it was so close to opening day. So you almost I I, I read it differently. Okay. See, the, the way I read it is this that the reason they accepted it was to see to show MLS or show sorry or so or pro whoever MLS okay, go ahead to show them what the referees really thought about this. So you can say in negotiations we don't want this, but then when they say all right, fine, this is what your best offer is. Okay, we accept. Let's bring it to the membership, and then the membership said, in ninety five percent of the membership says, yeah, this is a ninety five point eight. 
Okay, to be exact, exact, which is very good. Now, according to some of the things that I heard today on the way up, was uh, the financial offer is a substantial raise, which makes him paid like some of the best, if not the best paid referees. Not the the best paid referees. So one thing, Mark, I... But I, I'm just gonna just to Good, interrupt because I heard the Felipe Cardenas interview and I think he had this wrong. Okay. Because Geiger said that was misinterpreted because there was a tweet put out by uh, pro referees and, uh, or MLS saying that uh, they've been. It, it read like that MLS officials are being paid uh, with the best uh, in the world. He said Germany, no. Uh, La Liga, Spain, no. What Mark Geiger said is that the referees would be in the top 10% of the leagues around the world. So that's just, just a clarification. No, that's perfect. Thank that's you. Clar- that's, that, that's from Geiger, the, yeah. the guy who you know pushed it through. Uh, right, the, because uh, that's what side. I had heard today. So it's great that you gave me that clarification from Mark Geiger. Now, Pete Manikowski, one more cut from him. And I think this is interesting because, like you said, the money, uh, I, the money is probably less the issue than some other details like travel. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is Pete Manikowski, again, the lead negotiator uh, for the uh, referees, players, uh, referees Union, PSRA. And, you know, like every, every union does, we have a duty to survey our members and find out where they're at so that we can most democratically determine what our next proposals are going to be. So we're doing that. Um, we're doing that right now, actually. And, you know, I think on, I'll talk about travel for a minute, right? So on travel, you know, we're, we're not asking to be in first class on every flight, right? That That's not our current position. Um, and that's not something that we think is part of responsible growth. Do I hope we get there someday? Absolutely. Um, do we hope to mirror the other officials that travel around for Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and so forth? Yeah, we do. And we'll get there someday. Um, but that's the way that people travel, the flexibility that they have. They take the 3 o'clock flight, 6 o'clock flight, are still issues that we face. Do we have people being put on a 6 a.m. flight when they would prefer to sleep in and do their recovery after a match a little bit better? Yeah, we want that language. So those are things that some of the detailed things that we're still asking for, which is just improvements in the way that we move around the country. And Tony, some some of our folks are going on the road 200 days a year, right? And when you were a player, you remember that, right? It's it's a long time on the road and the best travel conditions that you can get to be away from your family that long are, are things that are really important to our membership. So we're talking about those things. and. We'll, we'll find a compromise. I'm, I'm sure we will find a compromise. It's a matter of when and, and for how much. Well, I have it. Tony, he's talking about Tony Miola, who uh, certainly traveled a lot as a player, but uh, that's interesting. Some, uh, I, I never thought about that. Referees, uh, the full-time referees on the road, some of them 200 days out of the year. Yeah, it's a lot. And yeah, because if, if every you, two weeks they go and do, they go to Minnesota or to I Dallas, think Dallas I think, yeah. where they have training. It's required every two weeks. They're in uh, a couple of three days of training. And they in review Minnesota, things, which is evaluation. Good. I believe in Minnesota's evaluation and in Dallas might be the training. They go out, yeah. Okay. So, uh, but either way, they're, they're identifying their weaknesses. They're trying to get better. And I, I, I've always liked that part of it. I mean, yeah. the, the referees really work at it and pro referees really provides the service of education and evaluation and, and, and trying to make it better. So and there's a lot of transparency as well, which is, which is very good. 
Yep. And Corey Rockwell is one of the uh, senior most uh, referees. And we know that outside of the uh, pro headquarters in New York City, there was some picketing yesterday. But here's uh, Corey uh, Rockwell's tweet just because the uh, MLS Players Association put out a note of support on Twitter or on X, uh, a note of support for the referees. And Corey Rockwell basically said, uh, thank you very much. Very classy uh, and appreciated. So uh, that's the referee situation. So they're, as of right now, they're uh, as of Thursday, they haven't gotten together again. And we've got a weekend of games, 14 games coming up uh, on Saturday and Sunday, where it will be all replacement officials. Yes. And replacement VARs and AVARs. So that's six per game times 14 games. That's 84 I don't think, unless there are some repeat performances in the VAR booth, which is possible because it's oh, all yeah. coming from one spot in Atlanta. So I'm not sure about that. They haven't really oh, that's going to change, the by the way, because they have a new system, and it was going to be, I believe, somewhere in Texas. They just announced this today. I got the email that they have a new system for VAR that is going to that is going to handle this. Have they already moved? And uh, well, I would presume so, considering I, that I know they, that they was in the works, but uh, well, yeah. And uh, and then none of the uh, the rules that we went over last week that Roberto kindly uh, sent and and we and we reviewed it, but uh, a majority of those. Uh, like the uh, substitution, the sub has to get off in 10 seconds or the guy waiting to come on has to wait an extra 60 seconds. If he doesn't, they're, they're, they're um, putting those on pause until the, the regular referees. Uh, so the, let back. me give you this. So the, okay. new the new center is going to be in Arlington, Texas, which is uh, right outside of uh, Dallas where uh, the Cowboys play at uh, AT&T Stadium. And it's with Sport Tech Solutions, uh, who has been the uh, they have implemented successful VAR and goal line technology, according to the uh, press release uh, rollout at the start of the 22-23 season in the Bundesliga. Uh -huh. So uh, they will be the new people. Are they there now? VAR. Are they yes. there now? Starts this season. So yes. So Starting this season. At but, the start but, but of the just to be clear, you, you mentioned goal line technology. That is not No, happening. that's not part okay. of it. It's they just, just implemented that in yeah. the Bundesliga, okay. but uh, okay. they're implementing VAR now here. So uh, it's going to be... Um, wow. So, yeah, the announcement comes 12 months after MLS signed a long-term deal with Sportec Solutions. <laughs> so you've got a new, you've got a new, you've got Sportec, a whole new approach and replacement officials. Very interesting. But the first game with the, the replacements... There weren't really any VAR things to uh, consider. Everything was outside the area where there were some questions, but uh, I thought all in all, they did pretty well. I mean, it did fine last night. Nothing terrible, but here's yeah. the thing, okay? Let, let, let us remember what happened in the NFL. And Don Garber knows something about the NFL, considering he comes from there, okay? When the NFL had the same problem and the referees were on strike, and then there was a whole slew of games that they were played. There was one game in particular where Green Bay was affected. And I don't remember if they won or they lost, but it was at the end of the game. And something was either called, uh, was called definitely incorrectly. And I don't know if it was a, either a touchdown or interception, but it absolutely changed the game. And everybody was up in arms. Next day, the referees were back. And you have now 14 opportunities for something like that to happen uh, this weekend or 13 opportunities. No, it's going to be 14 because they, they've got uh, Miami plays again and so does Arcella, right? Okay. So 14 opportunities for something to screw up this weekend and maybe in a major way, and that will get things done. 
So basically, as somebody 14. once said in MLS, and I forget who it is, as you said, root for chaos. <laughs> and you get so that you get this solved. I just want the drama on the pitch, but six, uh, 14 times six, that's 84 replacement officials necessary for these uh, games this weekend. So who, who knows how long uh, this will go on. All right, let's get to the U.S. Open Cup. That's a, <laughs> MLS is in the middle of this one, too. Uh, there are reports that n- totally unconfirmed that only eight first teams in Major League Soccer will participate in the U.S. Open Cup this summer, and the remainder will be the MLS Next Pro sides uh, within those uh, franchises. Um, Asked Nick Cushing about both the referees, and, and he's just – Nick's good about the referees. I mean, you know, he, he rarely – he basically says, we've got 90 minutes plus to be in control of our own destiny. We're not going to be concerned by a referee's call, and that's the best outlook anyone can have for it. He's supportive of the U.S. Open Cup because it's a chance for a trophy, as is David Lee, chance for a trophy. But uh, it remains to be seen what's, uh, well, what's going to happen there. Uh, what bothers me – now, I can understand with MLS saying, okay, we'll send you eight teams, right? Okay, we, we can't send all of our teams, but we'll send you eight teams. So we're not going to send you the teams that are uh, playing in the CCC, Champions Cup. We're not going to send you those teams. We'll send you other teams, et cetera. Yeah. But it doesn't seem to be fair that some teams are able to compete with their first teams if they like, and other teams are being forced to, to uh, perform with their second teams or MLS pro teams and how would that look right so i, I don't know how this is going to work out i'm but we've waiting talked for, about this before it's i'm like, waiting for the announcement this just play the no but games. why i i'm sure this came up when um i can't remember if we talked about it on here or we talked about it off off air and on the phone i can't remember but when this was all in discussion when that initial report came out that where mls said our teams aren't playing we're just sending our two teams and then you know, the uh, yit hit the fan. So As it should have. Why just let the coaches decide how they want and sporting directors and clubs decide how they want to manage their games. If they want to play, make it feasible, make it roster compliant in some fashion that you could use Academy, two kids and uh, uh, MLSX Pro players or your senior players. However you want to do it, let the clubs decide that. And I don't understand why they're going through all this. It's unnecessary. It's unnecessary, yeah. I think. I but mean, I, I understand part of the reason why MLS is trying to do this, but it's also their own doing, right? Because they added Leagues Cup, and there's a lot of games for a lot of teams, minimum of two games. And if you, you know, you win one right. of them, then you're playing three or more. So what they're trying Again. to, right, what they're trying to avoid is so many games in X amount of uh, windows. So that might you, be, yeah. Every team has all this physical data. If you don't want to play Maxim Rallage, you don't play him. You play. Maximo Carrizo. How about Maximo Carrizo getting to play in a U.S. Open Cup against whoever, right? And get those minutes. I mean, that's that's what you're missing out on. So he's going to play MLS Next Pro, you know, all season. And what if, uh, well, we know some MLS X pro teams are going to be uh, playing too. So we don't know which players are yeah. going to get those opportunities. But that's, to me, it's, you know, let the let the clubs decide how they're going to do it. But you're right. I mean, there's congestion. So look at the science. Don't push players that you don't want to push and, and make the these league, other players available. You know, the league wants to prioritize 
100% League's Cup because that's a competition that they've put together with the Mexican League where they're 100% profiting. All right. And so that's yeah. the yeah. And, 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 and that's the deal. So, so here, here's first, let's put up the uh, Union Omaha tweet. My friend Dominic Casiato is the head coach here. In fact, it was his first year, coach of the year. They won the Shield in, this is USL League One. And uh, the bold, we're proud of it. That means uh, being in the U.S. Open Cup, like so many other American soccer clubs over the last 108 years. So they're certainly making a strong statement yeah. uh, towards the folks at Major League Soccer. I mean, there's a big trophy at the end of this. Not not only just the trophy, mind you, but if, if you win it, so it, it, it puts you right into Champions Cup. I mean, that's... It's important. I think a lot of people have read James Nalton, uh, works for The Guardian and others, and, and he follows New York City and MLS quite closely and the metropolitan area in the lower leagues. Anyway, he put up this tweet. And so MLS put out this, uh, this a uh, it's this uh, promotional kind of caricature of uh, a lot of different players and some of the broadcasters. Can we put that up? There it is. Are you uh, there? So uh, I don't see you. So here's I'm not there. No. <laughs> Neither one of us are there. Okay. It's the Apple people. Oh, of uh, course. Anyway, so I would have never seen this. So James, you are the man. So in this caricature, there is the Columbus Crew holding up MLS Cup. There is uh, who won the Supporter Shield? Uh, that was New England. No, uh, uh, Cincinnati. Cincinnati FC won the supporter shield. Yeah, I I can't quite see it, but they're holding up the supporter shield. It's Miami it's, it's down there, right? Is that it? That could be it. Yeah, Miami it, it won the league's cup, and you could see uh, that's sort of right in the bottom and in the middle. Of course, the one it's trophies missing. it's not there. How did the Houston Dynamo feels? They won U.S. <laughs> Open cup, and it's got it's not there. Yeah, it's not there. I here's what I, I wrote. Um, I, I'm not putting it up here, but uh, lame, all in capitals, L A M E, lame. I can't. <laughs> it's funny though, in a way too. It's just it's kind of comical. Yeah, but James, not. thanks for sharing that because uh, I that's uh, well, it's just like Messi, uh, you know. Messi made in America or whatever in the U.S. Open Cup games aren't, aren't on there either. And that's yeah. before all this really happened where this where there's. This well, yeah, yeah, that, you, you, if you saw that you and now you know what you know, it was like, <laughs> oh, OK, this is what they're doing. Yeah, this, they, exactly. They, they had started this thought process. Actually, they had started this thought process since last year when Don Garber said it's not beneficial for something to the effect of it's not beneficial for MLS teams to be playing in these smaller stadiums that have like bad feels and sort of. You remember that? Yeah. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. And so that, that's when the, that was the first seed. That was the first seed that yeah. was planted no, I remember that. where yeah. that was going. Yep. Okay. So, uh, well, I'm sure we'll be reporting more on the U.S. Open Cup and see uh, what's happening with New York City FC specifically. And um, because the other the other rumor out there, and again, this is a report unconfirmed, please. But Stu Holden, who many people know from Fox, but he was also a national team player and uh, U.S. Open Cup committee. He's part of the committee. Apparently, he handed in his resignation. Now, 
again, that's a report, no confirmation. But if that's true, then uh, I think we know where he uh, stands uh, in terms of uh, U.S. Open Cup and MLS communication on all this. Hey, I, I want to end with one story. Uh, you know, I coached at LIU Brooklyn, right? Yes, you And uh, the, the facilities there have been upgraded since I left, of course. You know, we used to play in a cage. Actually, the soccer teams don't even play there anymore. Uh, there's no more a, a Division One soccer uh, at LIU Brooklyn. It's now out in Long Island at, at uh, CW post but a basketball game there was somebody uh, tweeted this out fairly dickinson and liu they're in the same conference fairly dickinson universities were stuck in the elevator at liu brooklyn and the game was delayed it was so comical to me because well the elevators the parky there were a lot of things that you know didn't always function you know the way maybe they should have and uh, yeah. so i saw that i was like oh my yeah, god are you sure that they weren't trying to gain an advantage uh, well i mean like in yeah. the boston the old boston garden where yeah. oh, it was in goodness. the middle of the summer not only was there no air conditioner but they would put the heat on in the visiting locker room <laughs> Oh, what a facility that was. Thank God Fenway Park is still up. And Yankee Stadium Part 2. Well, it's it's a different stadium. At least Fenway Park is the original Fenway Park. Well, Yankee Stadium, that's where the uh, home opener for New York City FC will take place. And it's going to be uh, the Portland Timbers. Is that right? That's the first game? It, uh, March 9th. I forget. If somebody that they played at Coachella, they're uh, they're playing again. Isn't it the Timbers? Uh, I, I haven't looked that far ahead. <laughs> um, honestly, I have not looked. Wait, I actually have the I have the schedule right in front of me. So yes, it on. is Portland. It's a 2 right, p.m. Right. Uh, Eastern game on on March 9th. So I I had that right. Uh, Portland with uh, Phil Neville, New York City with uh, Nick Cushing. Good friends. We'll go at it. Yep. In a home opener for New York City, and that will be at Yankee Stadium. Actually, the first two games, the first two home games are at Yankee Stadium against Portland and Toronto. Then they go to Cincinnati and Miami. Boy, you go to Miami in March. That's perfect. I love it. But Cincinnati and Miami back to – but look at April, all at home. I, I think know. the key month in New York City season, to me, is the month of April at home for four consecutive matches. Five. Then, well, that's May. I got to that. Oh. Four in May, uh, four in April, and then the first weekend in May, yeah. five straight home games. That uh, against Charlotte, D.C., uh, New England, Atlanta – and, and who am Colorado. I living out in Colorado? So there's got to be a lot of points gained in that stretch, so in my in, opinion. Yes. In my humble so opinion. So in, in those five games that you have in a row from April 6th to May 5th, three games at City Field, two at Yankee Stadium. Okay. So, and uh, as far as there was only two games at the end of the season in October, which is TBD, which will depend upon if either the Mets or the Yankees don't make the playoffs. And then they'll play those two home games in whichever stadium is there. If not, it's probably back at Red or Bull Arena. Or TBC. You said TBD. What is TBC? To be called? I guess. I have it as TBD, which is to be determined. To, to, well, it's uh, it'll be scheduled. It's, uh, or to be way. decided. To be decided. That's to still be determined. That's still be. All right, Roberto, good stuff. Uh, thanks so much to uh, New York City FC Sporting Director David Lee for uh, sitting with us and, and answering our questions. Hopefully uh, that provided some information to supporters that uh, will help them feel comfort going into a 2024, the big opener Saturday night, nycfc.com slash radio, 7.15 airtime, kickoff 7.39 p.m. if they're sticking with the yeah, same Apple likely, schedule. Yeah. So uh, hopefully uh, you'll join us. I know there's going to be a bunch of watch parties. I've seen the emails come in. You know, you can turn the sound down on the TV. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. If you want, you know, you can do, get, do what you need to do. Get, in get, Spanish, do what you it need sounds to better. Do. It's okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I've got Nick Cushing, though. 
<laughs> you got Sandy Rodriguez. Hey, you got two, got two good. Two we, good got, we, we, got, we got good ones. So right. uh, definitely listen in. Tell everybody to uh, to listen in either English or Spanish uh, on the radio. It's on the app or nycfc.com slash radio. You can find us there. So uh, it's quite easy. It doesn't matter where you are. I mean, I mean literally it's true. where you are, you can listen. Uh, a friend from Wilmington, North Carolina says, that came on the same link this year? I said, yes, sir. So uh, it'll tune in. By the way, uh, podcast on frame that I, that I host, there's a, there's a bunch of good interviews on there from uh, Coachella, including Nick Cushing and, and Burke Reese. So uh, pick it up if uh, you'd like to listen to that as well. So for Roberto Abramowitz and Sammy, our producer, who's done a great job, and we're flooding him with stuff today, uh, I'm Glenn Crooks on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.